Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. Have no fear. It's Nate, and I'm here. That's what I say when I walk in at home, by the way. I wasn't here yesterday, and Charlie... Picked up the torch and ran with it yesterday. You actually, you stole my intro because I was gonna, I was gonna come on and say that you were not feeling well again. It was just me. Yeah, just you. Yeah, I saw that you were about to talk, so I just started yelling. Oh, all well, of a according to the live group too, I hear people really enjoyed it. So I don't know what that says. I don't think we have an accurate enough sample size. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. what that means, but <laughs> it gave them it was, something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they didn't seem too disappointed that you were gone. Yeah, well, but, they, but they did say feel better, so they were they were worried about you. I do feel slightly better today, although not not all the way there. I was just curled up on the couch. You know, like when it when a guy's sick, it's basically the end of the world. Oh, and yeah. uh, it that's what it was last night. And um, I might just have to go home and curl up on the couch again tonight because I tell you what, that was kind of fun not doing anything. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed it. I did miss already, doing the podcast, though. You've already had your appendix removed, so we knew that that wasn't the issue. I was having flashbacks. I I remember now, like when the appendix, when it went, when it finally burst through support, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when my appendix finally fell out, and I was so sick, and I was like, "What the heck is happening?" Well, when I was driving home yesterday, and I was feeling so sick, I was like, "Oh, I was like starting to get anxious because I was remembering how that felt." It wasn't that. It wasn't. It, it no. wasn't because I don't have another it's, appendix. It's gone. It's gone. But hey, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast, <laughs> and my name is Charlie Chuck Thompson. Uh, according to our most fearless and active members, I am the host of this show. And with me, as always, Nathaniel Paul Thurston, the one who knows just about everything there is to know. You are in the right place. Yeah, we were just catching up about what had happened yesterday, Nate feeling sick and he's had his appendix removed before. And so now he's, a, I didn't want to have to do it again. He didn't want to have to do it again. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that fun of a surgery probably. Uh-uh. And so, and so, uh, this is a place where we talk all about life, liberty, the pursuit of meaning. And we have a lot of fun and we get to talk about our favorite stuff. That's, that's what it's all about. It's about I, getting up and doing what you want to do. I don't know about this being some of my favorite things to talk about. You know what I would prefer is that everyone not be idiots. That's that's really what I would actually like. I'd like people to stop trying to uh, enslave me to do their bidding every single day. Yes. Or telling me what I what I have to do with my own life and my own. I would love that. I'd love to look forward to a day where we never have to do this podcast ever again because it would just be obvious. And we would just talk ourselves out of. We just wouldn't need this. Yeah, we anymore. would talk ourselves out of a podcast. Yeah, yeah. that's great. That's actually my goal is yeah, exactly. to not have to do this podcast anymore. So we're trying to talk ourselves out of a job here, and unfortunately, it's not trending in that direction. But I guess also fortunately because that means we get to do the podcast. So mm-hmm. some some crazy, crazy news today. Alan Dershowitz out there saying some crazy stuff. Trump signed an executive order today, by the way, uh, on deregulation. So that's pretty cool. We'll be talking about that. And by the way, subscribe to the podcast. Statistics show that when more people subscribe to the podcast, our listenership goes up. So huh. it, I think that that's a pretty good reason for you to also subscribe to the podcast. It also shows that our listeners are um, happier and that they end up fulfilling their lives. And so, I mean, that's just the statistics that we have uh, based on our surveys. Right. So, 
you know. Is there any correlation to that data? The more subscribed. Oh, it's the, strictly the, causation. Yeah, okay. for sure. Just wanted to make sure that it's subscribing to this will actually fulfill the the rest of your life. Yeah. So I don't know why you wouldn't do that. Hey, look, lots of people have holes in their hearts and this will fill it. Yeah. I'm telling you, I got real emotional at the end of yesterday's at the end of yesterday's podcast. I did. I didn't I didn't get there. I even used the somber word. You said somber? It was. That's that's it how you a, know it's bad. It wasn't you know, I was really upset about that, you know, the shooting of the EMT. You yeah. weren't you weren't here to talk. Oh, you weren't I don't know if you know this, but you weren't here yesterday to talk with me about that I had shooting. Felt, I had felt that maybe that happened. And, yeah. Yeah. So I was um I don't know. I to me it was like it was a way what we talk about all the time is messaging, and this is a perfect example of a way to message and tug on people's emotional heartstrings. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a ridiculously sad story, all caused by government overaction or sorry, government overreach. Uh, caused by terrible policies, doesn't matter how well-intended they are. Milton Friedman always said, what is the actual outcome? Why, why do you not judge policies based on the outcome? And the outcome of no-knock raids has been innocent people de- died. And I don't care if we, I said this on the show, I was like, I don't care if we catch a hundred drug dealers or a thousand drug dealers or a million. If one innocent person dies from a no-knock drug drug raid, then it's it's wrong. It's just too that, much. That's one of the consequences of the drug war. Like we shouldn't even be having this problem anyway. The cops should not have been trying to conduct a no-knock raid and be looking for drugs or anything like that. Exactly. That, that shouldn't even have been something that happened at all. So we're we're left just uh, having to try and make that point every single day. Hopefully, some people will pick up on it eventually. I feel like maybe the tide's turning a little bit on the drug war stuff, but it still gets, gets pretty, pretty frustrating for sure. Well, let's, uh, and the question we like to answer on this show every single day of the week, man, when we do this is who done it, who done it, man. And then this, in this case, it's Alan Dershowitz. So Alan, I don't even know this guy and I don't even like him. This is from the blaze. Thanks Glenn. Alan Dershowitz says the state has every right to plunge a needle into your arm and forcibly vaccinated citizens. Every right. Yeah. They've got every right. You don't have any rights. So Alan Dershowitz, liberal, Democratic lawyer, civil liberties advocate, and Harvard Law School uh, emeritus professor says- Emeritus. That, emeritus professor. Thank you. I obviously did not go to Harvard. <laughs> that did not happen. Says that the state has a right to- How does the state get a right, by the way? Who gives the state that right? Right. I mean, the state- is only made up of the people, and the people don't have the right, then how does the state ever get the right? They assume the right. Isn't that really weird? Okay. Well, th- what's even weirder about this is this guy is a lawyer yeah, and, and from Harvard Law, and he's a civil liberties advocate. How can you be a civil liberties advocate? I don't know. And say that the state has a right to vaccinate you. Oh, during a recent discussion with Jason Goodman, Dershowitz, who defended President Donald Trump during his Senate impeachment trial, said that the U.S. Constitution permits the government to forcibly vaccinated citizens in an effort to stop the spread of a contagion. Yeah, I remember the founders specifically laying that right. out. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you mention it, I do remember reading If we that. get a really, 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 if we get a really, 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 really normal virus. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone thinks it's really, really, really bad. Then... You can be inoculated. Good. But like, and I want to say too, as we continue this on, I'm not against vaccines. I think vaccines yeah. are great. I think you should probably get them. I mean, if you look throughout history, um, having vaccines has saved a lot of lives. Uh, however, 
the government should never force you. I know all you anti-vaxxers out there are going to be sending me hate mail. Just send it over to Nate at goodmorningliberty.us. <laughs> and it's like, I, I, I get it. I think it's a good idea to, to take a vaccine. Now, it doesn't mean that there's not formaldehyde and some other different stuff in there um, that are preserving the vaccine so that can have a long shelf life. But the adverse effects of a vaccine versus the positive, the positive significantly outweighs the adverse effects. Yeah, if you effects. do the math on it, it's yes. pretty it's pretty clear that vaccinations overall have been a good thing. And yes, Maurice, it, the article did say that Alan Dershowitz is a civil liberties advocate. He advocates for civil liberties, except for in this in this point right here. He said, let me put it very clearly. You have no constitutional right to endanger the public and spread the disease, even if you disagree. You have no right not to be vaccinated. You have no right not to wear a mask. You have no right to open up your business. You, you have no right to live. You, who the hell is this guy, man? I'm, I don't know. I'm so glad that he got to tell me what my rights are. Let's run through that real, just real quick. You have no constitutional right to endanger the public and spread the disease. Now, this is, a, this is one that we've talked about before. If you have the disease or if you are sick, are you aggressing on people when you go out in public? And the actual only answer is that you have just as much right to be out in that public as everyone else does. And as long as you're not going into someone else's house and aggressing on them, then people, by leaving their houses, are taking the risk that there may or may not be risks associated with not being inside your house. And that's really it. You have no guarantee of safety when you go out. Uh, you There isn't any at all. You could I, get shot. You could get sick in some other kind of way. You could have a car wreck on the way to wherever you're going. I'll disagree slightly. Go and ahead. It's only if you purposefully are out to get others sick. Well, then that's a purposeful like you aggression. You know yeah. that you're sick. Uh, an easy one is AIDS. Yeah. Like, you know, well, nowadays it's not even a big deal because they're able to control it with medicine and stuff. But back in the day, like if you knowingly had AIDS and then you went on a sexcapade and you were out there just whoring around and and just being one of those, you know, and, and you knowingly were not telling your partners or partner what if you only had one, I don't know, maybe you had one or a hundred. Well, Chamberlain was, he was off the chain with that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, but it's like, if you don't, if you are not making them aware and you're doing it on, not even on purpose, but you're doing it nefariously by not uh, letting that person know, hey, I have a disease that could kill you. I got, yeah. got a terrible disease and this thing could kill you. Okay? I just want you to know that. I would, I would say uh, to, to have an even more slight disagreement. <laughs> oh. I would say that. You want to disagree with my. Disagreement, yeah. So you're dissenting. More, I would offer a dissenting opinion on that okay. real quick. If you, uh, I would say morally that's an completely correct uh that if you knowingly go out and are trying to infect people with something that morally that is wrong and and maybe there's some type of legal ramification somewhere if you can prove that someone knowingly went out and was endangering people in some kind of way and they knew they were doing it i think it's also not only moral but it's it's a principled stance because yeah. your rights end where another's begins and so just as, so you have a right to be out in public, so does that other person. And if you impede that person's right to be out in public by giving them a disease that they didn't ask for, 
I feel like you're you're violating that person's rights. So you, you can would call be, it the nap if you want to, the non-aggression principle. So you would be for everyone having immunization badges no, to no, go out in public. No, no, this one's very. <laughs> this one's so easy. Yeah. You have no constitutional <clears throat> right to endanger the public and spread the disease. Well, I think you have a moral obligation to not endanger the public and spread the disease, but it's just as easy as just stay home. Yeah. They don't go anywhere. It's not like that's all I'm saying is people have the right to be in their own personal on their own personal property and yeah. not be aggressed on by other people. It's, but anytime you leave your house, there's some type of risk and maybe you know you're sick and maybe you don't know whether or not you're sick and maybe you're carrying something that is contagious that isn't coronavirus other things that kill people that you could get people sick with anytime you go out in public you're you're risking someone who potentially has some type of a contagion of some kind even if it's the flu or something like that you're you're risking that and and that's something that you that you just have to grapple with when you go outside your house i agree with you on that too <clears throat> So this this coming from the live group, which, by the way, if you guys want to be a part of, go to patreon.com slash good morning liberty and uh, we'll take five bones from you and then you'll get access to this thing. It's it's a free chat um, as long as you guys give us at least five dollars a month. <laughs> it's free as long as you pay for it. Uh, this from Aaron. He says that Dorschwich represented O.J., Harvey Weinstein and uh, uh, Epstein didn't kill himself. Huh? Yeah. How about that? Stand seems seems like a good civil liberties. Yeah. Um, advocate seems like a stand-up guy real good real good guy I bet he's against sexual assault too yeah he <laughs> says you have no right not to be vaccinated you have no right to not get vaccinated meaning he, he is obviously for forced vaccination he literally says that the state has the right to plunge a needle into your arm that's how he said it now vaccines have been around since the beginning of time obviously then yeah and states have always mandated them Obviously, throughout all of human history. That human beings have no right to be in public without being vaccinated for some type of dangerous contagion. That, that that's been the case all throughout humanity, right? For sure. It yeah. looks to be the first uh Edward Jenner is considered the founder of vaccinology in the West in 1796. Huh. That's pretty early. How about that? After he inoculated a 13-year-old boy with uh, Vicina, Vicinia virus, which is cowpox. That's very interesting. Vicinia. Is that so, how they call it? Vaccine? In, in 1798, the first smallpox, smallpox vaccine was developed, which is, uh, which is impressive, by the way, because we didn't, we didn't actually know what a virus was until like the early 1900s. It was like 1920s, something like that. We didn't, microscopes weren't invented yet, so you couldn't see them. You didn't know what kind of makeup they had, but um, I, I think probably they understood this from what's called herd immunity. You guys remember having, when you were kids, having chicken pox parties. Like <laughs> me and my brothers, we all had it at the same time. Yeah. Because I remember, I believe it was Trey who had it first, my older brother, and my mom like made me and Brett, my younger brother, hang out with him the whole time until we all got it. And we all had it at the same time. Nice. It just... One chicken pox family. Um, he, so that's probably how they discovered that. He says, you had no right not to wear a mask. You had no right to open up your business. Hmm. I, I said this in the pre-show. If I see this guy in public, I'll punch him in the face. I'll break <laughs> the non-aggression principle to punch this guy in the face. Yeah. He deserves it for sure. Well, clearly I, he has no right of freedom of speech. According Listen, to us. You have no right to tell other people what they can or cannot do 
if they are not at, listen, once again, you have no guarantee of safety ever. You never have a guarantee of safety. A, a shooter could come in. Sorry. You could have a car accident. You might get cancer. You could catch the flu and the, die from it. You have no guarantee. The parachute might not open. You, the bungee the, cord might snap. All kinds of stuff. Which if it does, it hurts. The plane could go down. The boat could sink. The, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the dog could attack. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Like, there the, really could be a leprechaun at the end of the rainbow that beats you up over the gold, man. Exactly. I've seen it happen before. Okay. You had no right to not wear... This is... you. This is insane. It's insane is what it is. Yeah. I saw this right before we started the episode, so I haven't been able to calm and gather my thoughts whatsoever. I literally just hey, put it in here. Let them have it. It's insane. Let them have it. I'll give you the floor. The, fa- the fame law perce- professor added that if the disease in question is not contagious, for example, cancer, a person can refuse treatment. Why not just go ahead and force someone to get treated yeah. for cancer? I mean, if you're trying to save lives, why wouldn't you just force someone to get... To, uh, to get treatment for that. He continued, but if you refuse to be vaccinated for a contagious disease, the state has the power to literally take you to a doctor's office and plunge a needle into your arm. God. That is a quote from this freaking guy right now. This is... Now, I've been telling... <clears throat> I've been telling my wife since this kind of started that this will... You know, this, this isn't the first thing we've heard, but when there is a vaccine there will for sure be a national debate over mandated vaccines for sure. And the, the only fallback will be that you're going to have to carry around an identification card for whether or not you've been vaccinated or whether or not you're immune from the coronavirus. I've been telling her that since it started stamp on your real ID. Yeah. It'll be some kind of a, some kind of a little holographic stamp that goes on your driver's license showing that you're immune or that you've been vaccinated or something like that. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist. I The way that everyone has gone so insane over this virus, I do not see any way that that, that something like that is not going to happen. And yeah, you, like I said earlier, the thing that surprised me the most are all the people turning their neighbors in. If you don't get vaccinated, they'd be turning you in, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Read it. <clears throat> You heard it here first. You had no right. This is a quote still. He's continuing. He's not done yet. You had no right to to refuse to be vaccinated against a contagious disease. Dershowitz added, public health, the police power of the Constitution, gives the state the power to compel that. And there are cases in the United States Supreme Court. Tell me where. Tell me where. Dershowitz. Since when? I'm, that We don't even have mandated flu vaccines. And... Millions of people have been dying from the flu for like a hundred years, okay? And we don't even have mandated flu vaccines. And I don't know what the heck this guy was smoking the now, day that they interviewed him. This I don't think you tell me, is this a coincidence? Durswitch sounds a lot like Oswitch. All right. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have drawn that correlation. But this guy, in and of himself, is a prison camp. Man. I don't want to end up in the Durswitch camp, man. I don't. I just don't want to. Okay, Come to, come to Camp Durswitch. Listen, he tops this off. Continuing, that's what democracy is about, he said. If the majority... God bless. Has this guy ever read the Constitution? God I wanted to say, bless. where in the Constitution <laughs> is there police power, number one, that gives the state the power to compel you to do anything of the sort? Where? If you are so sure of this, where? Tell me where. 
cite the article, the clause, and the section. Uh, Sorry, article, section, and clause. Cite it. Where? Oh, my God. If the, he continues, if the majority of the people agree and support that for public health measures, you have to be vaccinated. You have to be vaccinated. He said it twice, just in case. They should give you an alternative. The alternative is to live in your home. Don't get vaccinated, but never, ever leave your home or leave in a bubble. But if you want to interact with other people, you cannot become typhoid Mary. The Constitution doesn't give you the right to spread your illness to other people. You know, I'm not sure this guy has studied much because, first of all, we don't live in a democracy. We live in a republic, and that's for a reason. Because the founders talked a lot about the tyranny of the majority is what they called it, the tyranny of the majority. And that's why they didn't want uh, a democracy. They didn't want a democracy because they didn't want 51% of the people ruling the other 41%. So, Or even the other 49 James Madison is the one who called it the tyranny of the majority. They, it's Democracy is two wolves and a sheep deciding on what's for dinner. That's that's what democracy is. Yes. All right. I came up with that all on my own right then. Did you, you? guys proud of me? Yeah. I never heard that before. That it's that is a dangerous, dangerous precedent that if the majority of the people agree on something and support it, that that's what you have to go with. That's an insane ideology. And that's what a lot of people want. But I don't have to make the obvious example, but I will. At one point in time, the bulk of the country supported enslaving People from Africa, they completely majority democracy. That's great. Mm-hmm. So what if 51% decides on something that is absolutely tyrannical and dangerous to the liberties of all the other people? In this article, I just pulled up from the Heritage Foundation, which is a, which is a pretty good place. Um, it says, as the Austrian political philosopher, Eric von, I'm not going to say his last name. It's just his name is Eric, this great philosopher observed in his book leftism the crucifixion of jesus was a democratic event now whether or not you believe in jesus that doesn't matter uh jesus as a as a as a historical figure was someone who had not not committed a crime yet the crowd demanded he die yeah and i'll go ahead and throw some fuel on the fire the republicans are standing by telling him that he shouldn't have broken the law yeah <laughs> should have listened to those romans you shouldn't have walked on the sabbath man <laughs> come on that's too many steps i counted <clears throat> good lord man i don't know what else to say on this listen we're gonna have a big debate over vac- vaccination for sure now there's like charlie said the statistics i believe unless you guys can point me to something else that the statistics point out that vaccination is overall a good thing but you do not have the right to force a needle into someone's arm. What if someone dies from the vaccination? What if they have, what if they do have that? Since you for, is the government going to get charged with murder or something like that? Is that going to happen? Is there going to be repercussions? Well, we should charge Durswitch. I guess so. With it. I guess so. Old Allen. Oh man. Are there any Allens that you like? Mm, trying Al- to think of famous, like Tim, tra- Tim Allen's not a bad guy. The trader named Allen Dibb, I believe, or, or is he a uh, marketer, marketing guy, maybe named Alan Dibb, um, that's that's pretty good? Um, I'm sure there are probably some decent Allens out there. A couple Allens. But like the, the ones that come to mind, because we <clears> talk <throat> about this all the time, this guy, which I haven't really heard of until now, Alan, Alan Durswitch, Offswitch, 
<laughs> and uh, Alan Greenspan. And like, I don't like either one of those guys. So don't name your kid Alan. Yeah. Okay. Alan's not, doesn't seem to be someone who understands, even though they went to Harvard law, they don't understand the constitution. Well, in that we see that, you know, just because someone got an economics degree from Boston university, it does not necessarily mean that they know anything about economics whatsoever or, now, or Boston college or wherever the heck it is that they churn out just complete idiots sometimes. I can't remember where it is. Now, of course, the left will tell you like, oh, you're going to go against someone with a Harvard degree, like the guy who's considered an expert in constitutional law. Look, you don't have to go to college to be able to read. Yeah. Like the document mm -hmm. is there. It's literally and right there behind you on the wall. It is. It's it's right here. And it's like. That's an original too. We paid a lot of money for that thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um you don't have to have a degree to be able to read words. You know, the information is out there and you can read them and words have had meaning for a very, mm. very, very long time. In fact, Almost since there were words, I would say. In fact, there's something called a dictionary <clears throat> where you can look them up. And so, and, and I know you guys don't know the old school dictionaries, but, but, um, the Google has a dictionary too. So, there are a couple good Allens. <laughs> there are a couple good Allens out there. Sam, uh, whoever it was that made the wrenches, the Allens wrenches are pretty good, although I would say they're pretty annoying sometimes. Yeah. Because uh, I can never find the right size. And then I never put that thing back in the package. That's it's why always they're a annoying. straggler somewhere. And then Allen West is, uh, is, is, is good too. <laughs> it's. Messages are cracked me up. <laughs> Alan Keys. Yeah, you know. Anyway. So there are a few good Listen, albums. no offense to anyone named Alan. We did not take, we did we did not think this through. We have no vendetta against people named Alan. We do not think that all Alan, that Alan Dershowitz represents all Allens in the world. Okay. We're not Alanist or anything like that. Yeah, you speak, okay? for, speak for yourself. That's just, just this one guy. <laughs> we do have some good news that Charlie's going to switch us over to. Oh. In this net. Yeah, this is good. This is a good thing. How about that? Yeah, this is coming from Fox News, um, which is fair and balanced, obviously. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Trump announces executive order aiming to make hundreds of deregulations amid coronavirus permanent. This is a fantastic thing. Now, one good thing that Trump has done throughout his entire presidency has deregulated a lot of things. He's deregulated a lot of um, industrial deregulations and on businesses. And, and they've also obviously during this pandemic, because it turns out when you try to control a market, it doesn't work out in your favor. And so what do you need to do? Oh, well, you need to deregulate the market and allow it to work so that you can create the things that you need to create. In a faster amount of time. If only we would have if, thought about that sooner. I don't understand. It's crazy. I don't understand how no one is picking up on that point except us. Apparently Trump is picking up on it. Well, yeah, Trump, Trump does understand this. Um, he's screwing people over in business for a long time. He realizes <laughs> how much he's been screwed over by the government for all the regulations <laughs> he's had to pay for. So President Trump announced an executive order Tuesday that aims to make hundreds of deregulations in the, in, in, in the age of coronavirus permanent something that would amount to a massive overhaul of regulatory policy, which we shouldn't even have regulations anyway. Like no regulations without representation. That's what I say. Except for those vaccinations. Yeah. We should have those. Yeah. <laughs> 
Quote, we've done far more regulation cutting than any president in history, Trump said at a cabinet meeting ahead of signing the order. Fox News is told the executive order tells regulatory agencies to look at more than 600 regulatory actions, mostly deregulations, but also regulations and guidance taken during the coronavirus pandemic and tell the White House which ones should be made permanent. All of them. All. Actually, more than 600. Yeah. But 600 is a decent start, He's which he's already, I think, already. It's over a thousand, probably. Yeah, his ratio is something like sixteen to one for every new regulation. That's it's removing sixteen. Now they might be scraping off regulations that just do not apply anymore whatsoever. Um, but he has been pretty good as far as the he said up there. We've done far more regulation cutting than any president in history. I don't know about in history. Definitely in recent history, I would say um, he he might be fairly accurate on that in the last hundred years honestly it's also a little skewed though because the number he's he's the president that resides over the most regulations true true because as time goes on there's more regulations than there are less regulations there's more of them yeah yeah more is less less is more so so he could have axed a thousand of them and we might still have fifty thousand more than we did 50 years ago you know so it's easier for him to get rid of a thousand regulations yeah, I mean, there's easily probably a hundred thousand regulations just in healthcare. Yeah. So, uh, quote: We had cases where it would take twenty years to build a highway. You had to go through various agencies to get the same permit. What? Libertarians have been screaming this for more than twenty years. But who's going to regulate the roads? Yeah, but my roads. <laughs> it's like these types of things that inhibit people from doing things. It only benefits the rich. You, you like you don't allow those at the bottom to be able to get ahead. Like. It's much harder to start a company doing road building roads if you if you don't know the people to get the permits to be able to pay for them and do all of that stuff and and wait 20 years to actually get the contract because you have to go back and forth with this agency and that agency and you got to comply here and do this spend money there make sure you take his wife out for a fancy seafood dinner mm-hmm. all never that call stuff. her again and yeah make sure you never call her again quote if a bureaucratic rule needs to be suspended during a time of crisis to help the american people we should ask ourselves if it makes sense to keep it all what nice can i get an amen yes amen uh that is coming from the office of management uh, management and budget director russ vaught The order will use emergency authority to figure out the best way to identify which other regulations still in place can be suspended to help jumpstart the economy. God, just (laughs) listen to this. The order will use emergency authority to figure out the best way to identify which other regulations still in place can be suspended to help jumpstart the economy, (laughs) which in its in the reverse, if you take the opposite of this, it means that regulations hinder the economy. Hinder the economy. It's like which regulations can we put in place to hinder the economy? That's what people have been saying That's, for it forever. Yeah, and now it's <laughs> it's finally coming to the realization. It only took a fake pandemic to do it, but thank God for it. I don't know. <laughs> It will ask agencies which authorities they have to take action and would lead to putting people back to work. And that should, and that list should be sent to the OMB. Well, imagine that if you just let the free market be the free market, more people go back to work. Who would have ever thought this? I don't, this This, guy's in, this guy's nuts. This must be a brand new idea. 
<laughs> never even thought of this before. Quote, typically when our country has faced a crisis, Washington responds by grabbing more power, which they did, by the way. Lots of it. <clears throat> President Trump understands that to get the economy moving, the power needs to be given back to the people and entrepreneur. What? This is good news. This is, I know. I told you this is good. News, is good. It's, it's good news, but it's like it's also disappointing. Don't you wish like, it was real? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't you wish it was kind of real? That now, they would continue to believe this? Yeah, like this could be a thing that, that we just have in our mindset. You know, now, you know, Trump, a president could have done a lot more during this crisis that we're going through. Uh, than what Trump has done in the in a bad way. Like uh, honestly, Trump has left most of it up to the states to decide what they're going to do, mm-hmm. and a lot of the states have left it up to their counties to decide what to do. I mean, Tennessee has done that. They're in the county we're in right now. Everyone is fine, and every everything's open. And in the county where I live, across the Krusty Pay Lake, you still have all kinds of orders from that county to stay shut. And that's kind of what what the states have done. And and that's the best thing is to keep it as local as possible. If I were to give Trump a little bit of props, now he's getting drug over the coals for this. But he hasn't just came in and just grabbed a ton of executive authority and told the whole country that they had to be closed or anything like that. And what's funny is when he was talking about getting the country reopening and forcing the country back open place we read the article from cnn or someone like that that was saying that well that trump doesn't that the executive doesn't have the power that that's the state's power that's the state's rights issue he can't tell the states that they have to reopen so it's just been completely crazy back and, and forth this is but, what happens when you don't have a baseline principle and, and ideology <laughs> with with which to guide you uh the order also relaxes compliance measures overall Agencies will be told not to over-enforce regulations. What? 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 <laughs> over-enforce Don't regulations. Over-enforce. Just normal yeah. enforce all the regulations, yeah. guys. On small businesses and nonprofits that are doing the best they can. But this is just... Does that not count businesses who aren't doing the best they can? I don't, I don't understand. I, how have we not come to this conclusion before? Like, how loud do we have to scream from the rooftops that regulations and compliance measures and all of that, it hurts small businesses. It hurts the very people, not only that are trying to get ahead, but are trying to provide value to other people. And that that hinders the economy. Yeah. It hinders the free market. It hinders people moving up the ladder. You know who likes regulations? Government. Government and, and big businesses, they they love it. I'm always amazed by the people who claim to hate big businesses that want to do all of these massive business regulations. Like The businesses Walmart, write the regulations. Walmart and Amazon can handle the regulations. Like They've got the money, they've got the time, they've got the wealth to be able to do it. You know who can't handle it? Someone who just started their own little re- retail store downtown. Like They can't handle that regulation. Businesses love the regulation. That's why they love freaking writing the regulations right. for Congress. They love it. Because then you got to get a lawyer, you know, to understand the paperwork and all that. <coughs> They're a bunch of bullwashing. <laughs> Sam said he's going to over not comply. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Since they're over-regulating. 
The Trump administration has used the pandemic to spur a deregulation campaign, notably removing regulations to telemedicine and removing barriers barriers to accelerate coronavirus vaccine or cure development. Now, look, obviously there are risks to the Internet, but the healthcare world has been on computers and networks for at least 20 years now. All right. I know. I, well, geez, I know HCA was developing software and stuff like that back in the early 80s, maybe even late 70s, early 80s, uh, when they started to... We know they were doing it in the 50s because that's what most of the government computer systems are still running on. Right. <laughs> I'm saying healthcare companies. Yeah. <laughs> they, they are obviously, they're all on networks. I mean, I work from home and I access a healthcare network with private data that can't go out anywhere. And, and so this whole telemedicine hasn't been able to get off the ground. Like you can't Skype your doctor or anything else like that because of this this whole making sure you don't violate HIPAA. Remember that time? Like, how we were- about you put that onus on the companies developing it? And if they breach it, you don't need FDA approval to be like, okay, we checked it out. It is HIPAA compliant. Like they should just <clears throat> want to be, they should want to protect their patient's data. You remember that time you irresponsibly lost your work laptop up in Iowa? Because oh, you yeah. left your the the door open. Yeah, on that your was truck. that was me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you want to get robbed, hang out with Nate. That's true. Yeah, I've been robbed five or six times now. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. It's Charlie takes one trip with me, and we get robbed that night. Yeah. What are the odds? Luckily, maybe I'm stealing all the stuff. That's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. So I can rebuy all my own stuff all the time. <laughs> That's yeah. That's what it is, and you <clears throat> sold it on the black market for a small profit. Yep. <clears throat> so uh, to round this out, at the same time, <laughs> Trump has also ruled back clean air and water restrictions and vehicle emission standards enacted by the Obama administration. So, and look, I'm not saying you don't have a responsibility to make sure you take care of the environment. I think you do. I think there's a personal responsibility to do that. But uh, but government regulation and compliance and licensure laws and all of this stuff is just a massive burden on people trying to build a life for themselves. And we are a hundred percent behind all of this. Trump's done some terrible things, but he's also done a lot of really good things. And because we're principled people, we can have that stance. Yeah. It's amazing because absolutely amazing. We don't just toe the party line all the time. No. If Trump does something that is within our principles, then we support that. If he does something outside of the principles, then then we'll call it out. Yeah, like signing <clears throat> massive stimulus bills. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. He should have vetoed every single one of them. Like signing the FISA bill. You know, things yes. like that. Terrible. It, it, uh, just insane. Uh, Look, tariffs. Terrible. T- terrible tariffs. Like he understands regulation and compliance on the economy, but doesn't understand the tariff hindrance. Yeah. You just you're making Americans pay more. That's all you're doing. Okay. Well, listen. This is a little bit of. Now this sounds like bad news until I I, I got in the numbers here and I was like, huh, that's not too bad. So this is a Democratic Socialists of America. You guys know those those a holes. Democratic Socialists of America's membership surges amid coronavirus. Why is this a good thing? Because their number is still really low, actually. I didn't realize how low it was. Even as virtually every country's economy has struggled in recent months amid state-imposed lockdowns intended to combat the coronavirus pandemic, some disaffected progressives are convinced that the problem is capitalism. 
reportedly sending membership in the Democratic Socialists of America surging by 10,000 new people since March. Surging. Surging for a still paltry total of 66,000 total members over the whole country. That's the good news part of this. So the coronavirus outbreak originated in China. China. A a communist country and went on to ravage several European countries with public health care systems, including Italy. With Bernie Sanders out of the presidential race, though, many socialists increasingly have sought to... a cause to support. They apparently found it in pandemic relief, saying the government's temporary stimulus checks could serve as a model for universal basic income, even in good economic times. People are really, this is a quote, people are really starting to just look around and say, man, capitalism isn't working. An unnamed co-chair of the Detroit DSA chapter told The Atlantic, I wonder if that's what everyone in Italy is looking around saying. Man, capitalism isn't working. <laughs> if the I like, market, I like that meme you posted. Which oh the <clears throat> yeah. Anytime you have a problem, just blame capitalism. Yeah. Everything I hate is capitalism. Everything it's that's a new what book. it is. Everything I hate is capitalism. <laughs> if the markets can't even produce hand sanitizer or toilet paper or masks during a plague, what good is this system? I, uh, listen. So the reason I wanted to talk about this was because. UBI, universal basic income, is something that I think is really starting to take hold as people become more and more okay with these stimulus checks because if you're not allowed to go out and make money, what what other option do you have, I guess, is the idea behind that. But I had a friend texted me, severely libertarian friend, very libertarian friend, texted me saying, ma'am, is there a way that we can have a UBI without causing massive inflation? I said, no. I said, no, no, there's not a way that we can do that. He said, well, we spent $14 trillion on wars and you know, it, it, everything is going to be automated soon. And if we can spend $14 trillion on that, what if we were spending it on universal basic income? And I was like, okay, I get the argument. I understand that. But what I basically had to say to him were, was really two things. Number one, we did, we've spent way too much money on war. I don't want any money spent on war actually, whatever the actual number is. I don't know what the for sure figure is. I think there's a reason that that hasn't caused massive inflation though. And the reason I gave him was that that money was literally just set on fire. It wasn't just sent into the economy. It was just set on fire. So like we, we created things and then we literally blew up the money afterwards. It didn't just flow back into our economy. In, in any kind of way. It just stuck in the hands of the people that own the companies that make the bombs. You know, that that's really about it. And maybe some of the workers that did it. So I think that's one reason the wars didn't cause massive inflation on the on the first hand. Secondly, a univer- universal basic income has two major problems. Number one being the massive inflation that would happen in prices. If you if you were to take everyone and tell them, well, you're going to make a guaranteed twenty four thousand dollars per year. They want two thousand dollars a month stimulus checks right now per per family member. You say you're going to make a guaranteed twenty four thousand dollars per year. Then then what is McDonald's or someone like that going to have to pay someone to get them to actually come work? It's going to be in the thirty thousands somewhere, maybe in the forty thousands. This is undoubtedly going to cause massive price increases on everything. And then your universal basic income will not be enough money for you to even pay for those things anymore. Simply whatever you take and you put in the universal basic income will become the new zero, will become the new even line right there. And having $24,000 is going to be like having nothing. 
It'll it'll be completely like having nothing whatsoever. The other thing I told him was on the automation side of things. He said, well, everything's going to be automated. And what I had to say about that was that, uh, listen, most things are going to be automated. Most of the things that we have right now, I think, will become automated. But I do think that the free market has a backstop in that because it doesn't do McDonald's and Walmart any good to completely automate everything if it destroys the economy and no one has any money to buy any of their stuff. Mm -hmm. Like there's a point where automating everything is not going to do them any good. And you say, well, if everyone has universal basic income, they'll be able, they'll still be able to go buy stuff. Well, where does the money for the universal basic income come from? It's they got, just, it's they got, just a, have it. they, they just have it. Just is have that it. the answer? They have it, man. The answer is the only way that you would have it is if you printed it or you, you just created fake money. I know they don't actually print it, but if you just created fake money and then that's undoubtedly going to cause inflation no, it's massively. Just, no, it's just there. It's just there. Yeah. It's not going to do anything. Well, there's always, there's always going to be a 1%. <laughs> Didn't you watch that Neil Cavuto video with that college student? So, there's always going to be a 1%. Yeah. She for, was for yeah. sure. There's always going to, there, there will always be a 1%. That is yeah. true. There's a 1% there in will, the poorest yeah. countries in Africa. There's a 1%. There's a 1% everywhere you yeah. look. There's people who are about to starve to death right now. And there's people who have enough food until tomorrow. And those people are in the 1%. Yes. Right, right there. In that community. Yeah. In that, in that specific <laughs> community. So uh, the other thing is with the automation um, I think we're, I've always had this feeling that every society thinks, I've always said it this way, that every society thinks that they are at the pinnacle of the market, of society, of, <clears throat> of humanity, and it's all downhill from here. We've achieved all the technological advances that we're going to achieve, and there's nothing we can do. And the thing is, everyone has always thought that, and I feel like it would be very naive to think that there that there's not going to be a bunch of new technological advances that we can't even imagine right now. And I what I told him was that you know Henry Ford when he revolutionized the automobile industry maybe he imagined that someday there would be taxi cabs. Maybe he imagined that. But Henry Ford never imagined that there would be Uber. He he never imagined that whatsoever. And what you have to realize is that there are things that we can picture like, oh, there's going to be this in the next 10 or 20 years, but we can't imagine what the next Uber is going to be. <clears throat> and I don't mean like the Uber for this or the Uber for that. I mean, something that is completely revolutionary that we're not even thinking of right now. And so what, what I told them is that you kind of have to trust that the free market is going to create new ways of creating value for people. Like people will have to do that if you allow them to do that. Now we can't, I can't say what those things are going to be because I'm not an inventor. You're not, I'm, you I'm no not, idea. I'm not doing that. That's why, like, if, if you think you know what it's going to be, then I recommend you invent that thing right now. But we're we're not inventors, so I can't tell you what that thing's going to be at ask, all. Ask Elon Musk. But uh, ask him. Or like Jeff Bezos has a two hundred year time horizon. Yeah, and like he's looking two hundred years into the future. But he doesn't even know what he's going to invent yet. Musk doesn't know what he's going to invent in fifty years, or he'd invent it right now. Well, you know? think. Of, well, I'm thinking of things like the Neuralink that he's working on. Yeah. Like imagine if you could connect your brain power to also the the computing power. Of a, of a computer, the computing power of a computer. And those types of things to be able to, 
I don't know, have a conversation with somebody. And then if you can't think of a word, you can just literally, you've got Google in your head. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm, it starts with this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, this word. That's what I was thinking of. And you don't, you don't even need to type it into your phone. Those types of things like yeah. that. Who could have ever dreamed that? Now, if that idea comes to fruition and Neuralink is able to be improved upon, think about how many jobs that would create. I mean, think about how massive a market it would be for everybody to want to be linked to a computer yeah. in your head to do things faster, more efficiently. And all of that, then you're going to, they're going to have to hire people to work on it, do software updates and all those different kinds of things. Those are types of things you can't think of. And my, and my thing is we don't even know what's going to come from that potentially being a thing. Like we can't, we can't say it or we would be inventing it right now and we would have a trillion dollar idea. Like we don't know what it is. Maybe Alexander Graham Bell imagined that someday you would be able to talk on a phone in your house and you'd be able to just have a live conversation with someone, but he never imagined that that we would have iPhones or that we or would that have this would or, be that, or that we would have Neuralink or that we would have that. Like or that the fact that we're talking to all of our people on live right now. Yeah. Like they can see our face. So they can chat with us. The the worst thing you could do is to shut the market off to being able to create those things. That's the worst thing you could do is to to take your chips down and no longer allow the free market to create these things. And that's how you actually would create yourself a little self-fulfilling prophecy at that time. If you want to take the chips down on, on innovation in the market, if you want to do that and you want to create a UBI and you want to siphon all the money off of the economy and, and throw it into non-productive uses, then you might very well be at the pinnacle of society, but you might be creating that because of that, because of that policy. And so you have to be really, really careful about that. And then the other reason I can't support the UBI is because I can't decide that I'm going to steal money from other people. I just can't do it. Mm -hmm. There's no argument we can make. He said, I'd like to see an experiment where it's tried somewhere. And I said, I'd like to see an experiment where we try not stealing from people. You know, I'd I'd like to see that somewhere too. Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be a nice one too. How about we try that? So anyway, the UBI is becoming more and more popular, even with, People on the right and all kind, you know, it's Andrew like 80, Yang pushing it, and it's like eighty percent of Americans approve. I know, and then you get to—they probably surveyed like three people on that, something <laughs> like that, ten people, and uh, no, but you get Yang out there, and then of course we fall back to Milton Friedman quotes where he was talking about universal basic income and all that. Like, listen, universal basic income might be preferable to our current welfare system, might be potentially. But that doesn't mean that it's a good thing to fall back on. And also, it's not good to assume that the government's still not going to spend all kinds of wasteful money on all kinds of other things in addition to that. We simply do not have the money to do this. And if your argument is that we won't have a market anymore because because everything's going to be automated, then we also won't have any money to siphon off for universal basic income. So it's the, the argument kind of destroys itself. Where's the money going to come from? Mm-hmm. It would have to be printed. It would only be inflation. That's it. That's it. So, yeah, unless unless it just exists, <clears throat> unless it's just out there, Nate. Yeah, I mean that's possible. Yeah, maybe maybe it is. I don't know. <clears throat> maybe there's some kind of new invention that's going to come out that makes economics not exist anymore. I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, we're we're at a, we're at an hour right now. It's almost five o'clock. I, I kind of feel like. Do you want to go any further? I've got like eighteen more articles in the stack right now. But, well, um, I just wanted to say, continuing on this whole 
Democratic Socialist of America surging its members. <laughs> uh, you do see a lot of this, you know, man, capitalism isn't working. And what I found to be true is that many people who don't like capitalism don't even understand what capitalism is. And they don't realize that the system that we're currently operating in isn't capitalism. It's government regulated, government compliance driven, government enforced fascism, fascism. Essentially, it leans more towards fascism than it does a free market economy. That's one thing, you know, obviously comparing like the, the, the Danes, the Norwegians, those types of countries, when you compare them, it's like their businesses are more free market than ours are. They, for, for, well, for a long time, they had less taxation on them. They're less regulated. We just decreased our corporate tax rate right. to Denmark's corporate tax rate. Now they do we have, just VAT, they do have a VAT tax there, yeah. which does hinder corporations as well. But, um, but other things are like, they have a more, if you look on, uh, you know, economy, I think it's economics.com or whatever it is. They rank the, the countries that have, um, the freest economies. And if you look at Denmark and Switzerland and those types of companies, those type of companies, their countries, if you look at those on the rank list, they're higher than the United States. The United States is like 14th. And that's because of the burdensome, ridiculous, insane regulations yeah. and laws surrounding and hindering people from making the hand sanitizer, you know, prohibiting them from raising the prices, which would entice more people to make them. You would have new companies enter the market. You'd have new ideas. Like you would have the people um, at, at the, the brewery that yeah. decided, well, hey, we have this leftover alcohol that we can't even use. So why don't we just uh, make hand sanitizer with it? We'll just give it out for free. You know, you walk into the gas station here, you walk into the gas station and everything. It's like they have these. Obviously, you can tell it's not bought to hand sanitizer. Somebody made it. It's the whatever propyl alcohol that, that kills the virus in like half a second. So it's like you have all of these new ideas and ways for the market to provide that the government won't allow. And look at all the FDA regulations and everything that they've had to slash so that we could create all the things that we needed, which by the way, we did pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. We have more ventilators than we could have ever needed. I mean, even at worst case scenario, we never ran out of ventilators, by we, the way, the, we had like 40,000 unused hospital beds. <clears throat> like we, we have hospitals going bankrupt actually that have so much room for the pandemic that didn't happen. Essentially. Um, it did just not as worse as they anticipated. Yeah. Which imagine that. <laughs> How about that? It, it's hilarious. I, I talked a lot about a little bit about my brother yesterday. So those that didn't know him, could get to know my libertarian socialist brother, <laughs> uh, which is which is an oxymoron in and of itself. However, I do. There are some things we agree on, like police brutality and those types of things. And, and I'm glad that he's seen the light on some of the issues. <laughs> but I was talking to him about these types of things, and it just amazes me how the well, what what amazes me the most is people who think that all of this is the fault of capitalism or that, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have all of these things if it wasn't for government regulations or that, you know, we have to save lives. So that's what regulations do. It just amazes me that you can't see the other side to say, if the regulations weren't in place, we maybe ne could have never, or we maybe 
would have never had to shut down the economy. Well, I, w- I would like someone like your brother to tell me what business they're upset with that exists within a free market. Right. I, I don't think they'd be able to name one because we don't have any, because we don't have a free market. You're not, none of the hospitals exist in a free market. The insurance companies don't exist in a free market. Amazon doesn't even exist within a free market. They're all regulated. They're all acting within the regulations. So we don't exist in a free market. We don't at all. None of us do. None of the things that you're upset about exist within a free market. So you cannot blame the free market or capitalism. People equate what we have right now with capitalism, and that's just not the case. The government being able to tell you that you cannot open your business is not capitalism at all. How is that blamed on capitalism? It, it, that literally makes no sense at all. Well, the, the rich are just getting richer. What kind of free market are you in when the government can tell you that you cannot open your business? Yeah. What's the, where's the free market? What, what am I missing here? You know? It doesn't exist. It doesn't. So, I don't know, man. I think we've done beat that pig to death. We, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's not even, he ain't squealing no more. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, if you're interested in trade, well, I was telling people about this frustrating trade I had today. Got on this amazing run, and then I did not follow my own disciplines and got him with too big a share size. I'm going to tell you guys not to do that. So if you follow what I say uh, not to do and, and what to do, you can probably do better than I did today because I just got overconfident. I got... I got, I turned into a gambler there for a minute. Okay. And you've got to be able to stop yourself from doing that. There is a way to pick out specific price points and set a stop loss. So you don't lose more money than you, than you want to lose and take it up to a specific price point. And we teach people how to find what those price points are using support and resistance, using all these things. And we go through the pre-market every single morning. If you're interested in learning how to do that and getting your feet wet with a little bit of day trading, all right? Just just wet your whistle just a little bit with a little bit of day trading up in the morning, all right? So we go through that market every single morning doing pre-market analysis live in our private Facebook group for that. And if you're interested, you can go to mastermytrades.com and get involved in that. Maybe you'll find something that you really like, that you really enjoy. And one of our students told me uh, in an email last night that they completely understand uh, how we always say that we don't look forward to Fridays because they just want that Monday to come mm-hmm. back so they can start trading again. And that's cool to do something every single day that you really enjoy doing that much. Like I Sunday night, I'm just staring at my computer. Just can't wait to crank that thing up for Monday morning. You know, find, maybe find something that you enjoy that much, you know, get them hard drives burning, get it, get it, yeah. get that fan, get that fan a turning. Yeah. The Liberty, so. Liberty training Academy. And, and the other cool thing is I told you guys about this contest. We're doing a $500 economic stimulus. So if you're like, ah, I don't have the money to trade or, or whatever, I don't know how to get started. Well, we teach you how to get started. And then also if you win the contest that we've started, then you're going to get a $500 uh, stimulus that you can, well, you can use it on whatever you want to. It's your money because we're going to give it to you. <clears throat> However, you also get a lifetime subscription to mastermytrades.com to the Liberty Trading Academy. So you can learn all this stuff and and it's a little bit to get started if you wanted to. Uh, so technically, if you win, it's risk-free. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not even your money. Uh, well, it is once you take ownership of it, but you didn't have it to begin with. So you just won, the con- <laughs> you just won a contest. You were the lucky, you're the lucky person that everyone hates because they didn't win and you did. <laughs> but uh, to do that, I decided, by the way, the the code word that you have to enter when you sign up. Uh, so you go to goodmorningliberty.us slash stimulus, 
And that code word is going to be Murica. Now that's M-U-R-I-C-A. M-U-R-I-C-A. Murica. That's what I decided the code word Do I have a be. field in there for the code word yet? You do. Okay. It's there. Uh, so good. Know, you sprung this on me. I didn't know you were announcing the code word today. I sprung it on myself. <laughs> it's goodmorningliberty.us, not .com, by the way. Goodmorningliberty.us, because this is America. Doggone it. And <laughs> slash stimulus. So this is the stimulus giveaway. So you guys go sign up for that. If you want to be, uh, if you want five bonus entries, then go leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It's very important that you do. And it's, and it's working because our listenership keeps growing every single day. Uh, and we can't thank you guys enough for that. That's because you guys are sharing the show and you are leaving ratings and reviews and we appreciate that a lot. And I'm putting a field in there right now. If you go do that, put your iTunes username in the field so we know, so we can look and verify that you did, in fact, leave a review. And I'm doing that right now. So it's going to be in there by the time you look at the uh, at the actual page, goodmorningliberty.us slash stimulus. So I'm, uh, I'm adding that box in right now. It says, uh, it says secret code word goes there. Let me go ahead and add... Another one real quick to it. I just was, I was not prepared. I was not ready for this. We already have people filling it in. I know. I know. Yeah. These people live, they're going to get in first. Yeah. Hold on just a second. If you did leave a review um, on iTunes, I'm making something for your iTunes uh, username right now. Just fill it, fill it out again. Yeah. Just do it again. Just do it. Just give it a minute. Just give it give a it second. One second. It it honestly it should be there by now. Yeah, looked, Sam, you were you were one of them. I haven't looked at the mobile version yet, but okay, it's there. So that that contest is going to run uh, for the next probably week or two, and um, once you we'll, we'll do it live. By the way, so we'll go live on Facebook, and we'll go live on YouTube. And we'll make sure you guys know that this is a real contest that we're going to be sending the money out. And you also get a free lifetime subscription to mastermytrades.com, which in and of itself is a priceless value. So I, I, I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> if you want to get in on priceless, now's the time. Now is the time. There's never been a better time than the year of our Lord 2020 <laughs> uh, in May. So uh, if you guys do all of that, and I mean all of it, then we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Liberty.